Welcome to the Beastified Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. This is a show dedicated to inspiring you to treat your body and mind the way it should be treated. Each week, we delve deep into all things health with some of the brightest and most forward-thinking out-of-the-box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. Deep and often intense, these conversations are released every Wednesday and are designed to inspire, educate, motivate, and encourage you to discover, uncover, and unlock and release your potential. In this episode of the Beastified podcast, Dr. Jack Cruz gives us a really in-depth look into sleep. Most people want to live healthier lives, right? Everyone knows that sleep's important, right? But why does it happen? And how does it happen? And how does it work to regenerate us? Jack also brought two of his friends along for the podcast, Neil, who is a sleep expert, and Clay, who is a primary care doctor. Dr. Jack Cruz is a respected neurosurgeon and CEO of Optimized Life. He is a member of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons, the Congress of Neurological Surgeons, and Age Management Medicine Group. As a neurosurgeon, his fantastic and so in-depth blog, jackcruz.com, gets over 150,000 unique worldwide visitors per month. Prepare to be blown away with his knowledge and inspired to incorporate some of these practices into your own life so you can sleep better. Welcome to the Beastified Podcast and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks, no problem, anytime. A great way to start this will be to dig into the value of sleep. This one's a little unordinary, but it's probably the most important. Many people are negligent about getting enough sleep because they truly don't understand the benefits they're getting from it. So what is sleep and why is it so important? Well, the simplest way to describe sleep, it's the the part of your physiology that actually allows you to restore and regenerate all the Mm -hmm. proteins in your body that get degraded by the way we live our life. And most of the degradation in life, the way it's designed, it happens via light. Um, That's probably the simplest way to describe it. Uh, The process in terms of how it works and how it breaks down, that's where it gets very complicated into, uh, you know, the the quantum mechanics of actually light and waveforms. Yeah, sleep's so important. It's sort of like a natural periodic state of rest for the mind and body. And I feel if you're not doing it, then you're probably being completely unnatural. You know, you said something interesting. I wouldn't call it a period of rest and relaxation. I think Uh that is what conventional wisdom really teaches us. And I think that's actually a big time misnomer. In fact, uh, as my friend Neil here heard me say not more than 20 minutes ago, that's a half truth. And it's a half truth Uh that's permeated a lot of, you know, the ancestral health community. I would tell you that sleep has an extremely important physiologic component and there's quite a bit of activity uh, that goes on and unfortunately I think most people don't like to talk talk about you know that level of science because a they don't understand it and b they haven't wrapped their head around it so Uh for you know your listeners not that I'm trying to be a pain in the ass to either one of you guys I I just want there's, there's another layer to this that people need to you know ascend to uh-huh. Because I always tell my, my folks and my members on the, on the site, when you have an A available to you, don't settle for a B, C, or D. Because you're never going to find anything optimal if you if you just hang your hat on a half-truth. Uh-huh. So, Jack, do you feel like there's a maximum certain hours needed of sleep? 
Well, that depends on the environmental context you're in. I'll give you a perfect example. You guys are in the UK. Um, your UV light exposure compared to my UV light exposure right now in New Orleans, Louisiana is substantially different, even though we're both in the Northern Hemisphere. So uh -huh. that would mean that you guys actually would probably require more sleep than the three of us sitting here in the Gulf. In fact, I can actually prove that to you because Clay, my buddy uh, in the middle, we uh, sat outside in the sun, oh God, quite a bit yesterday. And mm -hmm. then we broke some of my quantum rules. We actually went and watched an NFL football game. We sat in blue light. Uh, we actually drank Malbec wine. And Clay woke up this morning. He goes, Jack, you know, I'm kind of shocked. He goes, I slept like a rock. I'm not hungover. And I actually feel really good. And you guys will be interested to hear how the best way to repair sleep, believe it or not, is to be in UV light during the morning. And I want you to think about where you guys are located right now. What's, what's the distinct advantage that I have over you in terms of repairing my sleep? You guys, I've been in London. It's, it is horrible when it, when it comes to UV light exposure. And you guys spend most of your existence in, you know, a vitamin D winter, even in the best parts of the year. And I was always struck by the fact that when I was over there and the sun came out, everybody ran straight to Hyde Park and basically got in the sun. They almost intuitively knew that it was important, but nobody actually knew the reason why. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's, a, that's a function of sleep. Most people think that sleep is a story of nighttime, the absence of light. That's because they don't understand there's two sides of sleep. That's, there's the daylight way we regenerate uh, rods and cones and the nighttime way we do it because of the way the eye, the retina, and the brain are connected. And you have to have both parts of that story correct in order to optimize your sleep. So I would tell you that zip code, latitude, longitude, and then uh, some of the local environments are really, really important. And what I mean about local environments, I'll try to give you guys the best uh, idea of that, because I know you said you're not in London, uh -huh. but let's use London in your current location. London has a tremendous amount of uh, people, population density. They all use cell phones. They all use Wi-Fi. You know, it's, it's completely blanketing the ionosphere over London. What most people do know is all of those waveforms are a form of electromagnetic radiation, which is what light is. So I want you guys to think about when you're, where you are and where London is. There's probably not as much non-native EMF uh, in the ionosphere above where you guys are right now. And these yeah. are all waveforms. Here's the cool part. The sun and sunlight is also waveforms. So you've probably sat on the beach and had the opportunity to see two waves collide. When two waves collide, they can either get bigger or they can interfere and destruct. What if I was to tell you that you lived in a place like London, you, even when the sun was out, you may not be able to see either UVA or UVB light, even if it was present from the solar rays. How do you think that would affect your sleep? It would be horrible. So just in the UK alone, you could see a wide variation in terms of someone's sleep. And unfortunately, most people out there, they don't look at that level of sophistication. Uh, but me as a clinician, uh, you know, Clay got to spend the last probably three or four days with me in my office. He actually did surgery with me, saw the patients, and he actually saw that in three dimensions where we had people in the Gulf of Mexico who physically could not sleep, yet they were in 
way stronger sun than you are. And it gets uh-huh. to the point that I'm trying to make to you guys. Just because you're in sunlight doesn't mean you can assimilate or use it to restore the sleep patterns, you know, within your central nervous system. And I'd like to add something in there. Yesterday, a patient we saw in clinic was more tan than the three of us here, but had a completely cratered vitamin D level. So that just goes to show you what those waves can do. And the funny part of that story was the gentleman even said to me and Clay, he goes, I don't understand why when you press the reflex hammer against my tibia, it hurt. And I stopped him and I said, well, just remember, it's it's September 17th. We just came out of summer. Why is it that your bones hurt you the most when you just came out of, you know, UVB time? And, you know, down here, guys, the UVB is constantly present. So mm-hmm. it's even a bigger effect than it would be in the UK. But the reason we bring this point up to you is because most people don't even realize that you can create interference patterns for the solar spectrum. Just because you're in the sun doesn't mean you're really in the sun. Because modern life buries it. Oh, I never understood that far in depth on the whole subject of how um, our own atmosphere can interact. Now you guys are learning about why quantum mechanics and why what I do is important because I think it's really important for your listeners to get this because you guys happen to live in a country where I'll be quite frank with you, several of my members uh, who came on my cruise a couple months ago are from, and they uh-huh. really wanted to biohack kind of why their life was different. One of the girls specifically, I'll mention her name here in case you guys decide you want to hook up with her. her name's Jerry. She lived in uh-huh. central London and um, her partner was quite sick uh, with significant issues. I told her that she needed to get out of London to get to the suburbs into the country just because of this one issue alone. Um, now, optimal would be getting her to move probably to you know the Mediterranean coast on the south or even the north of Africa, but let's mm-hmm. be realistic. You guys are not going to pick up and move right away. The key thing mm-hmm. is, uh, are there things that you can do in the U.K. to improve your sleep? I would tell you one of the best things is what we're doing right now, guys, and that's part of the reason I put the video on to show you because Neil, right behind Neil's left shoulder uh-huh. is a UVA light. And you guys know that we're inside of my house on Bourbon Street. We're not out in the sun. We just came out of the sun for the last three hours. But mm-hmm. even inside the house, uh, UVA light, the mercury vapor bulb is on right now. Why? Because we're getting the signal we should be getting. And I'll let Clay... And actually, Neil talked to you when Neil picked Clay up at the airport. We spent time outside, but at nighttime, this is before we went to bed. From What would you guys say? It was about 7.30 at night to about 10.30. I'll let you tell them what I showed these guys in my own house where my daughter and my wife spend their time at night, what we were doing there. So the UV bulb he just talked about, we basically spent that amount of time just sitting under four of them soaking in the UVA and see here my sleep was unreal that night too because I'm from Vancouver I don't get a lot of UV but he's like he's kind of like you guys he's actually like a guy that lives in the UK yeah Yeah. because he's in Vancouver so his latitude is close to you but he does have better light than you do Uh yeah I was just in the UK a month ago and in two weeks there's literally like one day of sun yeah crazy well you guys need to listen to Another thing Clay said to me today, it's important. Clay, tell them how you've slept since you've been here in the strong UV light that you've been exposed to. Like how every day we got out of surgery and got out of clinic and we went and we got in 
that full spectrum sun. Tell these guys how you broke rules and how you slept. Well, like you said last night, we were out watching a football game, getting exposed to a, a ton of blue light, drank a bunch of wine, and this morning didn't feel tired, slept like a rock, and yeah, um, no hangover at all. And I'm I'm just amazed by what the uh, UV down here can do for you. And see, guys, this is important for you to hear because what I'm trying to tell you and all your listeners is that while what we did yesterday is not what I would call optimal, uh, where you guys live, your normal existence is kind of what we did last night. See, I, I have the opportunity to give you a teaching lesson through how this works. And what I think you guys need to do when you want to improve people's sleep in the UK, the mm-hmm. single biggest key is to understand for sleep, especially for optimizing it, you need full spectrum exposure in the morning, that's going to give you UV and IR uh, light when IR stands for infrared. Even if it's cloudy where you guys are, it still reduces it. Now, let me teach you about how your eyes absorb UV light because these are quantum principles. Even in the UK, um, the clouds will knock down probably UV light about 40 to 60%. But everybody in the UK tends to have lighter hair and lighter eyes. And the reason for that is blue light and purple light are drawn more to that. The more times you blink your eyes, the better it is because it cools your cornea and actually draws more UV light to your retina. So I want you guys to think about your next door neighbors in Sweden. All the Swedish girls have light hair, blonde eyes. Where do they live? They live at high elevations and the temperatures are cold. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why they're adapted to that environment because they also have a very low level of UV light constantly present so when you guys begin to understand this you say okay that's our weak part of sleep the strong part is you guys can't go to the pub and drink guinness you know watching you know manchester united unless you have blue tech lenses on that block the long wave blues at night because guess what the long wave blues are what destroys dha in your eye it's also what destroys melanopsin receptors which control Ocular melatonin, and and notice what I said, guys, ocular melatonin, which opens up the pathways to pineal melatonin. And you never hear that from people, you know, Mm -hmm. out there. These, this is exactly how the mechanics work. See, at nighttime, we don't need color vision. So we use Mm -hmm. UV light to replace our our, um, cones, the color cones, the camera part of our eye. And at daytime, we restore the eye clock, which is what controls sleep, utilizing UV light. And you have to get both of these right to optimize your sleep. And once you understand how this works, you start to go, this is incredibly interesting because, uh, to be quite frank, I didn't know you guys are from the UK. And I think this uh-huh. is the single most important thing that your, your listeners and readers are going to get. If you live in an area that has really poor UVA and UVB exposure, then black light is one of your best biohacks to improve your sleep as long as you understand at nighttime when the sun sets, you need to block the long wave blues. Here in the States, we have a a company called Blue Tech, which makes lenses for glasses. Even if you don't wear them, uh, wear a a prescription, just wear the glasses. I have them on right now because I'm in the house. But there's another company out of San Francisco called Jins, which is J-I-N-S. They make them. And there's a couple others. You can buy them, you know, cheap 
like ten or fifteen dollar pair uh, through most of the home improvement sites here. Most people uh, around kind of do that, but if you guys are serious about it, when you do go out to the pub, what I'm telling you, you can still go out to the pub and have a good time with your buds, as long as you understand what the goal is in terms of protecting your sleep. Wow, Jack, what a great insight that was. That was amazing. Jack, you mentioned a bit about the um, the melatonin production there. Um, is the effects of the blue light, does it affect the, the pineal gland as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but the way it starts is you have to understand how light fundamentally works, you know, from the environment in your eye. Let's start with a simple example. Let's talk about photosynthesis. You know that the wood of a tree is made out of thin air, right? When I say that to people, they first go, wait a minute, what do you mean? The carbon backbone that becomes wood is absorbed by a leaf straight out of the air between the use of light and water. That's exactly how it happens. And the cooler the leaf is, the more carbon it can absorb. The same thing is true on your cornea. Your cornea is designed to absorb oxygen directly through from the atmosphere. The cooler your cornea is, the more oxygen gets in there. That's the reason why that cornea is transparent, has no blood vessels in it, so you can see through it. Well, the cooler it is, the more UV light you bring in. What does that UV light do when it gets into the eye? It goes through the lens. It affects the ciliary body, which are um, your pupil, your pupil size. And that directly affects something in the eye in the retina called the RPE. And the RPE is something that stands for the retinal pigmentum epithelium. And those are hexagonal shells, cells, I should say, that actually have dark pigment in them, just like a freckle would from an Irish guy, because, you know, I am Irish and have a lot of freckles. And they have dense core vesicles in them. And you know what they do when you look under those cells under, di uh, under microscopy? They spin faster. The dark granules spin much faster when UV light hits them. And that, uh -huh. The faster it spins, the more ocular melatonin is made in the eye. That signal then is transduced through the action of the photoelectric effect on DHA. DHA is fish oil. That's what you guys know it best as. Mm -hmm. um, that light hits the electrons in the pi electron cloud of DHA, and that gets projected through the central retinal pathway, and that's where the melanopsin photoreceptors are. Those photoreceptors uh, take that message. The electronic message is turned from a photonic one to a DC electric current, and it is stored in water. Water is a repository or a battery for electromagnetic radiation. That information then is sent through your optic nerves into your hypothalamus. From your hypothalamus, there's direct relays to the pineal gland. In between those changes, you have the CSF, which is the CSF that surrounds and bathes the brain. All that information from light that comes through your eye surrounds the whole entire outside of your brain. The inside of your brain where the pineal gland lives is in the geometric center of your brain, posterior third ventricle. Uh, that's how the light signal gets through to your pineal gland. All the nonsense that people are told about how the pineal works, um, most people haven't a clue because they don't understand the neuroanatomy. They also don't understand how quantum wave mechanics works between the RPE, uh, water, DHA, and all these relay stations. And you guys will be probably interested to hear this, that if I put on a microscope slide the RPE cell that's hexagonal in shape 
and I took a chloroplast out of a leaf anywhere in the UK and we put them under a microscope, you know the only way you'd be able to tell the difference between the two? One is green and one is brown. The one in your eye is brown and the one in the plant is green. But guess what? They both do exactly the same thing. They spin faster when UV light hits it. Wow. Jack, do you think that short burst of blue light at night cause melato- uh, melatonin production to uh, cease? Well, you should know the answer to this if you read my blog. What does blue light at night do? Destroy DHA mm-hmm. in the RPE. So if you destroy DHA in the RPE, will you be able to carry the electric current that's buried in UV light? Remember, guys, UV light is purple, and it's got a short wavelength. What does that mean in English? Very simple. It means it carries the highest amount of DC electric current per unit uh, charge. So that's the reason why it's short, short, short. See, blue light's the next one up, so it's much longer wavelength. So that means it doesn't carry as much energy and power. So if blue light at night you get, and it destroys DHA, will the RPE cell spin faster or slower than it should? Slower. When it spins slower, what does that do? It ruins your circadian biology. What's the ultimate effect that you guys know about? The ultimate effect is that melatonin... Um, levels get destroyed but see the key thing is you need to understand how when you understand how then all of a sudden you stop settling for bullshit stories that are half truths mm-hmm. uh, and the worst thing you could possibly do when you really understand this is supplement melatonin in the system because you know what you do when you supplement exogenous melatonin you decrease the endogenous production through this pathway we just talked about so you completely screw the pooch when you do that And you do not want to do that. Um, What you want to do is understand how to use AM and daylight, UV and IR light, to your advantage to make sure it stays there. That means you also have to constantly eat a little bit of seafood in your diet. Taking fish oil pills doesn't replace that. Many people think that the supplement is equivalent, you know, to the the seafood that swims around, you know, your, your island. Uh, called the UK. It doesn't. never does. The only way to get DHA into your brain, um, and specifically your retina, a lot of people don't even realize that the retina is actually part of your brain. Um, and you guys may be shocked to hear this, but do you know that your RP and your retina actually have more DHA per unit mass in your retina than is even in the human brain? Now you know the wow. reason why. Wow. So, Jack, um can sleep help prevent degenerative aging diseases and cancer? Absolutely. Wow. It's not even, it's not even, that's, that shouldn't even be a question, to be honest with you guys. If you're mm-hmm. listening to what I'm saying, when your circadian biology is off, you are fucked. And I mean that in, in no uncertain terms. Um, I will tell you that a lack of UV light, a lack of IR light is directly proportional to just about every disease out there because it affects nitrogen singling. Let me just explain this to you even simply, because I don't want to get too deep into the science to either blow your minds or the guys Mm -hmm. listening to this, but let's make it simple. How would a cactus do if we put it up in the tundra? You want to know what all English people are? That's what they are. They are people that evolved around the East African Rift that about a thousand years ago said, hey, this is a pretty good place. And slowly over time, that that was a real problem. Just think about your most famous king, King Henry VIII. What happened? He got hurt in a jousting injury, stayed inside, became a fat diabetic that started doing all kinds of crazy shit to his wife. You want to know why? He was blue light stressed his entire life. He never went outside after he got hurt. 
Wow. And if you read his story, he had osteomyelitis with his leg. Why would you get osteomyelitis to your leg? Because it's the question you just asked me about. Is every disease tied to this? The answer is yes. Because he had no vitamin D. He had no way to activate his immune system because he buried the sun from his local existence even before there was any fake light. The only thing he had was IR light from a campfire. But see, when you stay in a damp dungeon or a castle, you know, like you guys have over there where Led Zeppelin used to play all their music, uh, you get to be a crazy son of a bitch. Not to to, uh, make the point and pound on guys in the UK. We got a couple of crazy bastards here because, you know, Clay is right next to me. He's really close to Seattle. Seattle's kind of like the UK. And I would tell you, one of our most famous rock and roll guys is a lot like King Henry VIII. His name is Kurt Cobain. How did that wind up? It's the exact same story. Jack, an interesting uh, thing that I came across that actually humans are actually only the mammal that will need a day of sleep. Uh, I wouldn't say less sleep. You have to realize that they're optimized for their environment. So mm-hmm. here's the funny thing. I wrote a blog post a really long time ago, Cold Thermogenesis 2, I think it was. And I, I had a sleep researcher who did a TED Talk. Her name is Jessica Gamble. I'd, have, uh-huh. I'd, I'd, I'd tell you to have a look at that um, because – your sleep cycles are optimized for not only your environmental signals, but also it's built into how we do it. So let me try to explain this to you simply. Our clade, where we are, all humans are mammals. All mammals have to sleep. Uh, the amount of time you sleep depends whether you're a, a, a day walker or a nocturnal animal. But here's the interesting thing. Circadian biology is present no matter where you are on the planet. Um, The interesting uh, thing that she found is that the way we used to sleep, you know, remember, we all are hibernating mammals. Humans Mm -hmm. no longer hibernate, but is the program still built into us? The answer is it is. That's the reason why uh, 12 to 3 o'clock, meaning midnight to 3 a.m., humans have been able to shrink hibernation into that time. That's actually when we're in REM sleep. That's when we're maximizing autophagy. But I guess the point that I try to make to you is that you guys, where you are, need mm-hmm. that time to be spread out longer. You need to hibernate more in that nighttime than we would here or, if, say, if we were equatorial. Um, oh. And I think the, the really interesting thing for you guys specifically is when you go on holiday, make sure your next holiday is close to the equator. Uh, And watch the effect that it has, just the light cycle alone, has on your own sleep. Because you'll see that you'll adapt very quickly to that new environment. See, the defect is never in in you. The defect is in the environment. And you don't realize that where you guys live is creating a lower margin of safety for sleep compared to where we are. And I think that's what Clay was alluding to. You know, earlier that he found that when he compared this to Vancouver, where he is now, it's been a dramatic effect in two or three days. So when you asked me the question that you did, I I almost want to disagree with the premise because Mm -hmm. we don't have sleep defects in us, guys. We're designed to work via circadian biology. We react to light cycles. I look at all mammals, everything on this planet, including trees, as light bulbs. Mm -hmm. The key thing is... How do you get the current to keep that light bulb up? So to give you a good analogy, I look at you two cats in the UK as a light bulb plugged into the wall, but you don't burn as brightly as I do. So that means you have to do more things right than I do. Why? 
because the current of flow for me is huge. That means my margin of safety is better. Um, and I think that's the reason why we see so many differences uh, in health because then you can break it down further. Are there people who live in my area that are worse shaped than you? Yeah, because they break way more of these rules because that's what modern life allows us to do. You know, what we call technology and progress, I don't kind of look at it like that. It's actually breaking the fundamental rules of nature. And when you do that long enough, you destroy your brain. Mm -hmm. So, Jack, do you think sleep is the primordial condition, or do you think it evolved as we did? Well, I, I said that as well in the cold thermogenesis series. I believe that we evolved uh, sleep. Uh, I should say sleep is the primordial condition, and we evolved wakefulness. And we evolved wakefulness wow. over time. And believe it or not, I wrote that blog. Shit, how long ago is that, Neil? That's got to be three or four years ago. At least three years ago. Yeah, and it's in the cold thermogenesis series, if you read it. I actually made that, and I think it was in... CT1 or CT2, uh, because if you think about it, light, water, and magnetism were here way before life was. And when life fundamentally formed, you know, you have a very famous researcher over in the UK. He's a great guy. His name is Nick Lane. He just wrote a great book called The Vital Question. He realizes that the first two kingdoms of life likely evolved on the ocean floor with IR light outside of UV light. And it's a really interesting point that, you know, the first two kingdoms of life, meaning archaea and bacteria, do you know that UV light is toxic to them? But yet to us in the eukaryotes, we're the ones that are able to harvest it. Do you know what the difference is? Pro, pro, prokaryotes, meaning bacteria and archaea, have no DHA in their cell membranes, and we have tons of it. See, you need to have DHA in order to use the photoelectric effect from sunlight. But here's the interesting, really cool part. The first cytochrome in mitochondria have NADH in it. NADH is a fluorophore. It responds to, you know, electrons from foods that have a lot of power. Well, bacteria can use that form of light, um, but they just can't use the direct light. There has to be a conduit between them. And this brings up a really important point. That means that prokaryotes can stay in a state of suspended animation for billions of years. And that's one of the things that Nick Lane is hinting at his book. So basically, life was quiescent for a really, really long time, and then it took something magical to happen. And what was that magical thing? You guys know it as the Cambrian Explosion. That happened 600 million years ago, where Darwin said, basically, life seems like it just sprung out of anywhere. Well, guess what also happened 600 million years ago, guys? It's when oxygen showed up in the environment from a byproduct of photosynthesis. And when you have oxygen in the environment, it leaches into the photic zone of the sea, which is the top layer. And then DHA is formed. And guess what? You need those two things to be able to harvest the photoelectric power of UV light. And every single eukaryote has DHA in their cell membranes. And every single one of them use UV light. It's not toxic to us. We just have the modern belief from idiot doctors like dermatologists and ophthalmologists that UV light's bad for you. And that's fundamentally, you know, why this story is important for you to hear, because your sleep wholly depends on your ability to harvest UV light through the surfaces in your body, specifically your eye, your skin, your gut, and your lungs. That's the kind of shit that I write about. Well, 
So Jack, uh, Dr. William DeMent said, you're not healthy unless your sleep is healthy. Do our sleep patterns and depth of sleep decline as we age? Yes, because your redox potential declines. See, this goes to, uh, now this is going to be some deep physics. You just stepped into a big bucket for me. Um, He's absolutely correct, but he has no idea why he's correct. So that's what Jack Cruz calls the half-truth. Now I'm going to give you the full truth. Dr. DeMint was a psychiatrist. Yeah. He he wasn't into the physics. Right, he's not. He's just a clinician, but he's missing. It's okay to tell people a, a true statement. But if you don't understand why it's true, then to me, the information can be harmful to people who really don't have that context. This goes all the way back to 1919. A guy named Einstein, you might have heard of him. Uh, <laughs> one of your countrymen, uh, Sir Alfred Eddington, proved the theory of relativity. But specifically, he proved something that Newton missed. The perihelion of Mercury wasn't quite right. Einstein said... Newton was wrong because light bends around things with mass. The, the, the physical term, the universal fundamental law that's tied to this is called gravitational lensing. Here's what you guys may not know. Gravitational lensing affects all light. So since you guys are from the UK, we got to bring some UK magic here. Let's think about Pink Floyd and the prism. <laughs> you look at the prism when the light hits it, purple and blue bend more than any other amount. I want you to think about where life lives on this planet. It lives on a planet that has mass. That means UV light comes to the surface of this planet so that we can use it most. Every eukaryote on this planet needs that purple light to be bent towards it. The more mass you have, the more you absorb the light. How do plants and how do animals do it? I told one of you earlier that people in the UK have really light eyes. Why? When they blink, they absorb even low levels of UV light through the principle of gravitational lensing. Okay. Anytime you cool a surface, you absorb more UV light. Don't believe me? Go look up anything about photosynthesis. Photosynthesis quantum yield is completely tied to the temperature. And that's why cold thermogenesis and sleep are fundamentally linked. So even though you guys live in a suboptimal area in your environment, the cool temperatures are actually helping you guys absorb that shitty UV light. So guess what I'm telling you? If you live in the UK... Turn, embrace the cold, but make sure you add some more UV in your light. Like in your house, go get some black bulbs. And I'll, I'll bet you that you'll notice a distinct improvement. And if you really want to step it up, when you go out to the pubs, get yourself some blue blocking glasses and watch what happens. You'll be shocked. Wow. Jack, I also heard someone say that as well. When you're in the, in the sun as well, if you instantly go back straight in the house and go in the shower and wash it off, that also has effects of your oh, so In fact, before I got on the podcast with you guys, we were sitting outside for almost three and a half hours this morning talking to one of my artist buddies, painting me a picture about actually what we're talking about. He's actually painting me a picture about gravitational lensing as we speak. And um, I went in and took a shower right as soon as I came out of the sun. And I'll explain it to you because I, I know I see your guys' picture here on the Skype thing. You're both white boys like I am, fair skin. You know, when you get red, everybody in the UK or in the States think that that's a sunburn, but it's not. You know what happens when UV light actually hits your skin? You get pink. And you know why you get pink? Because it's drawing red blood cells up to the surface of your skin. You know why that happens fundamentally? Inside red blood cells are two two pigments. One of them you really know, and the other one you don't know much about. One is hemoglobin, and the other one is porphyrins. And let's talk about porphyrins. You know what they do? 
They absorb all spectral frequencies of UV light. You know why you get pink? Because you have red blood cells up to the surface. Where is that UV light stored? It's stored in porphyrins and it's stored in hemoglobin. Little known fact, hemoglobin has four different areas where it absorbs light. One of them is at 280 nanometers, which is in the UV range. All the rest, the other three, are in the infrared range, which is why blood is red. Okay? The porphyrins hold on to that UV light. Your skin gets pink. And what happens? The porphyrins keep coming back to your skin to get rid of the redness. Most people think uh, sunburn is bad. It's, it's only bad if you're anemic. It's only bad if you have those other issues associated with it. If you can't harvest the light that's stored in your skin, the reason why Irish and UK people have more freckles than other people in the world is melanin is a storage protein for UV light. You come back and harvest it with porphyrins in your red cells. Here's a crazy thing, guys. You'll be shocked to hear. When you eat, do you know that blood is shunted to your gut for the exact same reason? See, any place that light is released to a surface Red blood cells follow. Why? Because we're designed to harvest that UV light to run your system. Wow. That's incredible. Jack, some research that I've came across says that there's a rush of relaxing hormones and endorphins when you have sex before bed. Is there any correlation between sex and good quality sleep? What's your opinion on it? Absolutely. There's no question. Um, uh, the key thing is what is light fundamentally? If you go to any doctor in the UK or the States... When someone's stressed, let's just take blood pressure for an issue. You have high blood pressure. What does it tell me? The doctor will write you a prescription for a calcium channel blocker. Do you know what the natural calcium channel blocker in the world is? Sunlight. What does it do? It decreases calcium efflux. So how does this whole thing with sex work? Let's, let's go all the way back to what we talked about earlier. When I told you guys the pathway about how light comes through the eye, it's mm -hmm. the RPE. There's this really interesting thing that happens that UV light hits the RP and it raises dopamine levels. So I want you to think about this, guys. What happens when a guy or a woman has an orgasm? Every muscle in their body shakes, okay? Mm -hmm. The reason that happens is because UV light is, is, is emitted from every single cell, and that makes your skeletal muscles shake and quiver. So let's talk about sex for a minute. You may not even realize this, but... When a woman is having sex and her vagina gets nice and wet, why would it get wet? Because it cools the surface so that it can absorb the light coming from an erect penis that's filled with what? Blood that's loaded with porphyrins. So you're actually sharing light with that person. It's the reason why humans hold hands. It's the reason why we kiss. It's the reason why we're social because we look at each other's face. We are looking at emission patterns of UV light. Every single cell in your body emits UV light. And if you don't believe that, you need to read a book written by a gentleman very close to where you guys are now named Roland Van Wyck. It's been proven since 1923 that every single mammal on this planet emits extreme low frequency UV light. So let's be common sense wise, guys, now. If you admit it, that means you have to absorb it. And everybody is designed to absorb it maximally. People who absorb it better are optimized to the environment. That's the reason why the UK is cold, because you can emit more of it. It's the reason why Ecuador uh, is not so cold, because it's present in such abundance, we have to actually get rid of some of it. 
if you guys were sitting where I am right now looking outside my window at my magnolia tree, you would see that the leaves on the magnolia tree are vertically oriented away from the sun. You know why? We have so much UV light here that that leaf temperature will heat up and it can't use all that UV light. It has to dissipate it. You never face that problem in the UK. But when you do, when you actually get a really hot day during Wimbledon and it's really warm, what, what, what does a guy in the UK do? He sweats. What does sweat do? Cools the surface so you can do what? Absorb more of that UV light. Not only does it happen in a tennis match, it happens in your bedroom when you're having sex. What does that do fundamentally? It lowers sympathetic output from a nucleus in your brainstem called the paraventricular nucleus. If you want to learn more about that nucleus, I wrote a blog post called Brain Gut 16. Everything you can possibly know. The more UV light you absorb on all your surfaces, the better that nucleus becomes modulated. In other words, there's no stress response. There's more of a parasympathetic relaxation response. So the less that nucleus is getting UV light, the more stressed you are. And that is how the connection is made. Well, Jack, what a fantastic answer that was. Brilliant. Jack, our final question is quite a deep one. And, uh, what are your views on dreams? And do they hold any significant value to our health? Well, actually, I think they do. They actually tell you about uh, – this is, this is probably going to be a tough one for you guys to get. It mm-hmm. tells me, the clinician, uh, how your optical lattice is fundamentally built, how it's flawed, and how it can be improved. Because people that are vivid dreamers, people that can remember their dreams, are much healthier. They have a higher redox potential than those who can't. And one of the things that we know in sleep research is that people, as they get older, uh, they don't dream as well. They also have much less REM sleep. REM sleep and dreaming are linked because those are people who have brains and brain stems that are fully loaded with UV light. So you can probably understand now why people in the UK um, have distinctly different um, sleep metrics than, say, someone who lives in equatorial Ecuador. And the problem is when you read stuff like Dement, uh, who you talked about earlier, see, they don't control for light in any of these research protocols. So the problem is you guys never see this effect. And that's the reason why this is kind of a deep topic, because when we come into the world, our optical lattice, which is basically a synonym for our proteins, our tensegrity system made out of collagen, which is always surrounded by water, is optimized to work just about with any light environment. The problem is if you live in the UK and you use blue light at the wrong time, you degrade that optical system. It's kind of like thinking about the front of a car whose headlights dim over time um, because of the damage done from the environment to that lens. In sleep, you're designed to constantly repair that optical damage that's done every single day you live. And the key metric in fixing that process is UV and IR light during the day and a blockage of blue light at night. And that's the key. Wow. Jack. That was incredible. So on that note, my friend, where can people find you and what are you currently working on? Well, they can come find me at my website. It's www.jackcruise.com. Or if they're interested in uh, reading my first book, it's about three years old now, but it's a pretty good one. Uh, it doesn't give you a lot of the physics yet, 
uh, my second and third book, which are already done. I'm just waiting to release them. Mm-hmm. Um, will be out soon. Uh, you can find that on Amazon, either in the States or in the UK. Um, uh, and I was just, uh, did a movie with the guy in your neck of the woods it's called supercharged. It's not released yet, but it's done by two UK produ- uh, producers and a scientist. One's name is Sarah Turner. The other one's Harry Massey. And, uh, That'll come out in February of 2016 at um, a world event. It's actually going to be in London, and the other one's going to be down in, uh, I guess it's Melbourne in Australia. And uh, the other last thing I've done, I've actually built with a GE light engineer here in the States named Ruben Salinas. We uh, just built the first wearable quantum device called the Quantlet, and that's spelled Q-U-A-N-T-L-E-T. You can find that on the Internet. And that's a device that you can wear on your wrist that's designed to give you UV and IR light directly into your radial artery without any penetration. Um, so for guys in the UK, you may be really interested in that because this is a way for you to improve sleep while you're doing shit that you shouldn't be doing. Um, and you can find that uh, on you know, the Internet through the website. And if you're really interested, you can join this Facebook group that one of my friends started it's called quantum health uh light water and magnetism you'll have to know somebody to get into it but if you're interested in high level physics kind of like a little bit of what we talked today because I, I took it easy on you guys um it's good stuff and you know my goal is to get this message out to everybody um you probably got through talking with me i'm not really interested in half truths i'm interested in absolute fundamental mm-hmm. laws tied to nature nothing i told you today is Jack Cruz's opinion. Everything I told you today is based on three simple laws that are universal. Einstein's photoelectric effect, Einstein's gravitational lensing, and Einstein's special and general relativity. And that's pretty much it. Wow. Jack, thank you again for being an incredible guest. And I'd also like to thank your friends as well. Thank you. But Jack, that has got to be one of the most in-depth podcasts I've ever heard. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Take care, guys. Enjoy. Go get some sun. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on iTunes as it really helps the show. And don't forget to head over to the show notes at beastified.com. Hey everyone, and check out our weekly challenge set by the guests themselves. And also don't forget to check out the bonus questions we ask the guests after the show. In the meantime, stay healthy.